Welcome to Onward, the show where we explore emerging social innovations and chat with social innovators. I'm your host, Daniel Weinsberg. At the root of many social problems communities face the world over, at any scale, lay finances. So often I hear clients and members of the community lament, if we just had more money, do you know anyone who would loan money to... Where is the money? To respond to the pains and constraints we face regarding accessing dollar-dollar bills, y'all, a growing cohort of social innovators are building more accessible, fair, and transparent financial services. These tools are mostly being built on the Ethereum blockchain. On previous podcasts, we've explored blockchain's potentials and scratched the surface of DeFi, decentralized finance. We've talked about platforms to participate in DeFi applications as some of the services such as providing and or borrowing with under collateralized loans and no loss charitable giving. Today, we take it a few steps further and perhaps a few steps deeper to learn about a completely decentralized capital market built on the Ethereum blockchain. It's Maple Finance. Maple lays the groundwork for crypto banks by giving DeFi users access to bond funding fast and at low cost. Also, creating loaning pools, which makes peer-to-peer loans possible. For big things, for little things. For bridge loans, let's say if you're out of work for a few weeks. To large-scale startup capital fundraising for debt. So let's keep venturing down the DeFi road and learn how we can change who has the cash, who can access it, and how it can flow more equitably, transparently, and sustainably to create a far more fair future. Sydney, welcome to Onward. How are you doing today? I'm not too bad, Dan. How are you? I am doing very well. And where, what side of the world are you pinging in from today? Um, I am dialing in from Melbourne, Australia, so it's a very, very early on Thursday morning here for me. All right, well, thank you for calling in from the future. Um, before we dive into the specifics of your project, I want to kind of help get some broader context, and then we'll go down the rabbit hole. So let's start out with what is DeFi, decentralized finance, and why are you passionate about it? So decentralized finance, um, also referred to as open finance, um, is uh, it's a system of financial products where people, anyone with an internet connection basically has access to sophisticated financial products um, that such as savings accounts, um, loans or investment products. I think, um, I think that it's really important for the future uh, because it's really centered around the idea of putting people in control of their finance and giving them access to a broader range of products um, for which they can get better outcomes, be it uh, savings accounts with higher returns um, or investment products that were previously unavailable to them. Uh, and I think the most important thing for me about DeFi is that it's accessible to anyone at a low cost. Um, and because it's so easy to build out new products, um, the pace of innovation is much higher than we've seen in the traditional financial system. People are inventing and developing new products all the time. And you are one of those people. So uh, before we talk about what you're inventing and developing and putting out in the world, 
how did you find the DeFi movement? Um, so I suppose most, most of the people in DeFi tend to either come from a technical background or a finance background. Um, so I came from the latter, um, but I always had an interest in financial products and investing. Um, so uh, in, 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 my, in my career, I used to work in banking and uh, whilst I was there, I was helping lending companies uh, to raise money so that they could, they could um, uh, have the funds that they needed to give loans out to their customers. Um, now I did that by helping them to sell bonds and then eventually I got sick of doing the same transactions over and over again and I went and joined a lending company to help them raise their funding. Um, now it was going through that process which was really manual and to be honest hasn't changed a lot in the past 20 years um, but I started to learn more about smart contracts and decentralized finance and that was when I saw um, that there's potentially a way to help companies raise debt um, using DeFi and using um, smart contracts and blockchain in a way that's much lower cost and much more efficient for them. Um, so I, I, it was basically from there that I started to go down the rabbit hole and read all the white papers um, and start to try out the new, the new apps that were, uh, were getting put out there at the time. And what, what is the protocol, the application that you're developing? Um, so we're working on, um, uh, our project's called Maple, um, and this is really composed of two things. So it's uh, smart bonds and uh, Maple loans. Uh, but overall, um, I suppose the, the, the framework to view it in is that we want to be a platform for people to access decentralized debt. Um, and so the first product I mentioned, smart bonds, is a platform which would let um, companies or individuals um, raise money by selling bonds to investors. Now, the key thing about those bonds and where they're really interesting is that they're entirely controlled by code and they're secured by revenue generating digital assets. So you can access these bonds completely outside of the financial system, um, but they offer companies a way to raise debt that is um, uh, raising debt previously would have taken three months um, and uh, cost, um, millions of dollars in fees. Now they can do it at a fraction of the cost in about five minutes, um, just by just with access to an internet connection and with digital assets. Um, the other project we're working on at the moment, uh, which is really also um, tied to this, is Maple Loans. Now this is uh, community, community lending um, for unsecured crypto loans. And I think this is uh, really powerful and we're really focused on this right now because we can see this is a product that people really need. So currently, um, DeFi lending is over-collateralized and that prevents a lot of people from actually accessing a really useful financial product because not everyone is sitting on mounds of ETH um, or other cryptocurrency that they can use as collateral and people have expenses that they need to cover um, just from cash flow. So we're really interested in, in progressing, um, you know, progressing that space. Okay. And um, so riddle me this, why, why is it called Maple? Uh, okay, so th this is kind of a funny one. Um, so because uh, with smart bonds, we were looking at um, different layers of bond. So you would have like a senior one, uh, and then you would have a middle or higher risk one, and then you'd have the person issuing the bonds equity at the bottom. So I always kind of viewed that as a stack 
And then I naturally started to associate it with a, like a stack of pancakes. Of course. And, um, then uh, if you look at what the protocol actually does, uh, we, we pay, uh, so we repay those investors um, in order. So it's almost like, uh, it's almost like uh, maple syrup getting poured over the top of the stack of pancakes. So, gotcha, and it cascades from the senior to the mid-tier yeah. to the lower. Yes, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, it, it, it's a name, once you get that image stuck in your head, it's a name that's very easy to remember and uh, hopefully brings up fond memories in people who use it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, the, it's definitely playful and accessible. Um, so at this point, who is the target user of Maple? Um, so I think uh, it's going to be um, borrowers who don't have collateral. Um, so we, we have a preference um, that people would be uh, using Maple Loans um, to fund uh, or to borrow for essential expenses. So this could be a developer who needs to purchase a laptop. Um, this could be somebody um, who's, uh, or a company that needs to pay wages to developers to build something. Um, it could be somebody who's been impacted by, you know, uh, recent macroeconomic events who needs to fund their living expenses on a short-term basis. Um, it, it's really people who uh, want, to, want to borrow now uh, for a larger purchase that would otherwise take them sort of months to save up for. And what protections do the folks who are lending the money have at this point? So at the moment, um, at the moment you can take a, like a down payment or deposit. Um, which is to incentivize the borrower to repay, and if they if they were to miss three payments, then the the lender can uh, claim that deposit. Um, but otherwise, they're taking uh, they're taking credit risk. So that's kind of one of one of the core um, ways in which an under collateralized loan uh, differs from an over collateralized loan. Uh, the the lender is actually taking credit risk um, of a default there. Um, so, and what you'd expect to come out of that is that. Uh, the interest rate is, is necessarily going to be higher. Okay. Okay. So if... the way that we're working around that is that um, we're working on introducing a, what you would call a, a, a crypto credit score um, so that the lender uh, does not feel like they're lending to a black box. They actually would have some indication or some idea of the risk of the person that they're lending to. And then that can allow them to uh, determine whether the interest rate is appropriate or not. And we think that will drive uh, more lenders uh, being willing to use the platform. It's an interesting challenge given the, the nature of blockchain being anonymous um, yeah. and, and in code and not connected. It's not like sign in here with Facebook or Google. There's not all these other accounts and reference points tied in. Yes, yeah. So if Maple is successful, what's going to be the impact on the world? So I think, I mean, the way I think about it is that if, um, like, if Maple's successful, uh, people will be able to access extremely useful financial products like loans uh, globally, um, quickly. Uh, there'll be, um, if you have, if you had access to internet, you'll have access to, um, the like same sophisticated financial products that previously were only available to people in you know uh, 
um, developed countries with fully developed financial systems. So I think it's really powerful from in terms of uh, catering to the unbanked. And then it, it also puts people in control of their money. So if you look at what we're doing on smart bonds, um, companies will, companies that have access to uh, revenue generating digital assets will now be able to raise debt. Whereas previously they might've been forced to only raise equity uh, or they might've been forced to go through um, the much slower traditional financial system. So now we're putting them in control of their finance and then investors will be able to, um, would be able to fund those companies uh, through, uh, through our smartphone product as well. Uh, or uh, to uh, become what, I what I've termed crypto banks by participating on Maple loans in the lending communities. It strikes me that you're creating this really important foundational layer for a lot of the other DeFi products and services that could sit on top and really explode it. Um, but what I keep bumping into is like, what, what, what else is supporting the DeFi movement reach mass, mass adoption so that folks, when they hear you talk about, you know, being your own bank, they get excited, not intimidated by the techno yeah. jargon. Yeah. yeah. So I think, um, People in DeFi were initially um, maybe uh, a little bit blinkered when it came to the user experience and, and making it easy for people to use their applications. Mm -hmm. I think there's a growing awareness that user experience is really intrinsic to uh, the, the growth of your project. If you put, like if you put something out there, it, people need to be able to use it. Um, but I would say there are a couple of other trends that are really supporting growing DeFi adoption as well. So uh, one that really springs to mind is um, smartphone adoption and uh, smartphones that are kind of natively compatible with um, crypto. So they, they might have an Im embedded uh, crypto wallet. Um, the other one is just that the longer that uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum are out there and they haven't been hacked in a major way, uh, awareness of them just spreads through osmosis and people start to take them as more, more for granted than as a novelty and uh, therefore more people will consider engaging them with them as users or building on them as developers. And then the final thing, which I think is particularly relevant over the next six months, is that we are gonna be in a, in a liquidity crisis um, uh, in the traditional financial system. And whilst the government is gonna pump money into banks, I don't think that banks are gonna be as generous in lending to um, people in the community. And what that's going to do is it's going to push people to look at alternatives and DeFi provides a great alternative um, uh, when it comes to accessing loans uh, or having a, a savings account which uh, does not penalize savers. Um, so uh, like looking today, you can get about 5% interest rate on compound, uh, whereas, you know, the, the, the cash rate from uh, the Fed is zero. Right. Right. So, and what is... What's hindering mass adoption? Well, I think uh, I, I kind of alluded to it at the start there, but um, one of the really, like one of the real main things is, is user experience at the mm -hmm. moment. Um, so uh, like the, the, the projects that are out there um, or the, the, the teams that are out there working on projects have kind of first and foremost worked on the protocol rather than the user experience. And I think that makes it harder for people to, to engage with it because they're saying, here's this really useful thing, but I, I just can't intuit how to actually use it. 
Um, so I think gains gains are being made there. Like if I look at some some great uh, projects that recently raised capital, like Argent Wallets um, interface is fantastic. Um, I use that a bit. Um, same with Set Protocol. They all have a nice look and feel and a, and a relative accessible um, and then the other thing is uh, on ramps so to actually get to use um, any of the projects out there and, and products you have to have you have to actually hold crypto which means you have to set up an account with an exchange get KYC then uh, transfer from your bank into that exchange then purchase the crypto and then load it into your MetaMask wallet um, to actually engage with the apps so it's uh, like that's been a massive point of friction that I think has stopped a lot of people from using it. Mm -hmm. um, but more uh, more projects are just building direct uh, applications, which you can download on, say, Google Play or the iOS App Store, um, which are in themselves wallets. And uh, I think uh, that that that's one way in which friction has been reduced. Uh, and and the other way will be uh, being able to get into crypto. So projects like Wire are doing really good things here, where you can just pay direct from like Google Pay or Apple Pay, and and get uh, crypto. I found a lot of success getting people to kind of lean into some of the Web three tools with a Brave browser. And everyone's okay. like, oh, blockchain, that's way too much. Like, check out this browser. It's easier. It's quicker. And then a, a few months will go by and they say, what do I do with all this bat? <laughs> gotcha. Um, you, you, you stand in this interesting place within the space because you've got one foot in you know, DeFi blockchain, the cutting edge, but you also stood firmly in the institutional banking space as well. So I'm, I'm curious, do, do your colleagues and peers in the institutional banking world are they excited about blockchain and DeFi? Do they think you're uh, at the vanguard of a movement or do they think you're alone? Um, a little bit, probably a little bit of both. Okay. I think when, when, when they first start to hear about it, um, people are, people who come from an institutional banking background are probably initially dismissive uh, because they view it as a bunch of sort of libertarian quacks. Um, but I think once you actually, when you actually show them uh, what they can do. So show them a, a product um, that's really cool, like say DeFi Zap, um, which lets you put money into effectively robo advisors, um, or you show them say, like Maple Loans, which would let them go and create peer-to-peer -peer loans. Um, so what we built on Maple Loans uh, in terms of creating lending communities that anyone can go and uh, spool up and then add borrowers or lenders. Um, that's something that if you were to have done it in the traditional financial system would have cost millions of dollars to put together uh, just because of uh, the separate layers of infrastructure that you would have had to have worked off. Whereas on Ethereum, money is on the same layer as the code that runs your, you know, runs your application. Uh, so when you actually show them the what they can do and 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 take them on a test run of a couple of applications, it blows their mind. And um, yeah, that that that's been my experience so far. But you you have to kind of do that one uh, one banker at a time. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious, what what DAP do you find yourself using the most? That's first part of the question, and the second part is which DAP do you think has the best user experience? something that you're hoping to model Maple after? Um, I found myself increasingly using um, Zerion lately, uh, which I think is a good, um, 
like it's kind of a good overlay, uh, similar to InstaDAP, which gives you a view of your like portfolio of amounts you've got staked, um, money you've borrowed, and money you've invested. So I've been using that to manage loans that I have through Compound and Compound and Maker CDPs. Um, so I'd say that that's really good. Um, then on on the phone side, uh, I've been using uh, Pepo and which is, is kind of like TikTok for crypto. So that, that's been a really fun one to, to get into uh, as I try and expand uh, Maple, uh, Maple's community. And then Argent Wallet is, is one that I've been um, uh, using on the mobile as well to try and um, get some insights around user experience because right now with, with Maple Loans, we've built a proof of concept and where we want to get to um, in the short term is uh, a much nicer, easier to use front end that's gonna take away, you know, um, take take away some of the friction in uh, in people accessing DeFi loans. And so I came across your project um, through DApps.ps, the status store, um, and there's a lot of the the DApps that you mentioned are living on there. Yeah. So I'm curious, what about DApps? What about status makes it a uh, a good distribution channel, a good platform for a lot of these dApps to be hosted upon. Yeah, so I think um, the, I would say with status, um, like kind of the, the leaderboard and, and ranking quality of their dApp, um, of their, like their, their dApp marketplace, so to speak, is, um, is a really efficient way uh, of me as a user discovering apps um, that have different use cases. So like I've seen that um, I, I, another app that I'm really excited about, Sablia, um, is on there and is, and is ranked, um, you know, it's one of the top 10 uh, dApps uh, ranked on there in, in, in one of the categories. And I think being able to see the leaderboard, so it gives you that social validation that this is an app that a lot of people are using, uh, gives you a nice summary of what the app does, um, and then it also, you know, gives you a portal to actually go and access that app. Now, otherwise, uh, my means of discovering an app like that would just be uh, through crypto Twitter, um, which is kind of an kind of an inefficient inefficient way of um, inefficient way of, of, of locating apps. And so, for those who are interested in learning more about you, Maple Finance, where, where can we point them? Um, so we're pretty active on Twitter. So at Maple Finance um, would be a good place to start. Um, we also have a medium presence. And then if you want to actually uh, check out our website, that's at maple.finance. And then we, um, our uh, Maple Loans is live on Mainnet at the moment. So anyone can go and use that. So you can go and create a community, um, add people as borrowers, or you can reach out to us via Twitter. Um, Twitter or Discord and be added to a community to take out a loan. So I would encourage people as a call to action. Um, uh, look, if, if you've been impacted by recent events and you'll say a remote worker and you need um, a short-term loan, uh, you could reach out to us via Twitter uh, and um, look to take out a loan from one of the communities on maple.loans. So if you go to maple.loans, you'll be able to see what we're doing there. Amazing. So. It, when you consider where Maple is at in a year from now, what's your dream vision? 
so the, the way I think about it is I, I would like, um, so we, we just started about six weeks ago um, and we've got a pipeline of about, um, so we've done just under 10,000 die in loans through Maple Loans. And then we've got a pipeline of another 15,000 coming at the moment, which will take us over 25,000. Now, if I look at that, uh, where I would like to be um, within a few months uh, is 250,000 loans done through it. And then hopefully by the end of the year, over a million dollars in lending done through the platform. And I also want, uh, in a year's time, I want there to be crypto banks using uh, Maple Smart Bonds and Maple Loans. Beautiful. Let's make it happen. So what, what is the call to action? How can, how can the community, how can my listeners support what you and your team are doing? So go and follow us um, on Twitter at Maple Finance uh, and then go and check out maple.loans um, and uh, reach out to us. Uh, so join our Discord channel and, and reach out to us and uh, you know, we, we can onboard you into one of those lending communities. Sydney, I so appreciate your time today and really impressed with uh, the product you're creating and how you're implementing. I mean, 10 G's and loans already six weeks in, that's huge. So you keep up the great work, man. Thanks, Dan. It was great talking to you. The path to a more just economy is being built as we speak. And the one that we've been riding for a long time is crumbling as we speak so it seems so prudent and important to share with you the examples of innovations from the front lines of the DeFi evolution that are helping create a more sustainable fair future for this capitalist system to run upon so maple finance is one really exciting example that we can all access we can begin using we can access the smart bonds, we can participate in lending pools, and we can access lending pools, again, if we need short-term loans or larger projects. There's a decent amount of money out there that is being lent on Maple Finance today, and more and more as this project goes viral. As we continue down the road of decentralized finance, I encourage you to test some of the tools that I'm highlighting. They're not that difficult once you get your hands on them. They operate just like any other application that you've become a wizard at in a very short amount of time. Try these tools out. Share other ones that I'm not highlighting. Give the project developers feedback. Give me feedback so we can all build better systems, highlight more impactful tools, spread inspiration, and create a more sane, fair, and sustainable tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in to the Onward podcast. It's your support, it's your feedback, it's your comments, it's your suggestions that are really driving this show forth. So if you've got any comments, feedback, questions, suggestions, connections, you name it, feel free to get at me at dweinzveg at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Daniel Weinsveg, spelled the same way. If you're enjoying the show, give it a like on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Make a comment, share it with somebody you think could be inspired, turned on, informed by the conversations we have here. A little social engagement on this weird technology mainframe goes a long way. Before I go, I'd like to give a big shout out to my dear friend, Jay Lately. Jay Lately's music is the soundtrack to the Onward podcast. 
So if you dig the tunes that's behind the music, the the intros, the transitions, that's all Jay Lately. Check him out on Spotify. He's been doing this work, following his heart, inspiring folks with his poetry, his words, and his passion for over 10 years. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, onward and upward. Thank you.